Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Life on a Mission. Uh, my guest this week, his name is Steve Carter. He is the stewardship pastor over at Southeast Christian Church, and he came on the show to talk about money. Uh, we got to sit down and we got to talk about what God says about money, what scripture says about money, and basically what people in the church, such as Steve Carter, try to help out young couples, old couples, individuals, um, with their finances and how they should be living. We covered a lot today. Um, I think it's been a really, really good uh, thing to learn about because I know that a lot of people um, struggle with finances in one way or another, whether they're living paycheck to paycheck or they can't seem to stop shopping. Um, either way, we sat down and we got to talk about it, and I felt like I learned a lot, and I hope you guys do too. But before we get to that, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. Um, also, follow me on social media so that you can keep up with what's going on. You can find me at Life on a Mission uh, on Instagram or Facebook. There's a Facebook page. And then also, finally, if you are a major fan of the podcast and you feel like you've been learning a lot, um, I would just encourage you to prayerfully consider giving on a regular basis to supporting the podcast. We have a donation page on Patreon. It is patreon.com slash George Shadburn. You can go on there and you can donate as much as you want. Uh, I'm not going to put a cap on it. Um, but if you guys are um, very interested in what's going on here and you want to see it through and make sure that it keeps going. Uh, your support is what helps me do this on a weekly to bi-weekly basis, so it's very much appreciated. Anyways, let's get to the show. This is Steve Carter, and this is Life on a Mission. Steve Carter, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, you came into College Age Ministry uh, about a month or so ago, and you sat down and talked with all of us about being good stewards of our finances. And what you talked about really intrigued me because I've always been in this kind of torn position on you know, is it okay for me to be rich? Is it expected of me to be poor? I'm not really sure. What does God say about money? And a lot of the things that you said um, was, for one, really encouraging, but also just really insightful. Mm. But um, what exactly is it that you do at Southeast, and what do you do yeah. with financial planning? Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Good question. I'm happy to share that. I'm I'm known as the stewardship pastor at Southeast Christian Church, and okay. what that means is I lead what's called a stewardship ministry at the church, and it really just kind of comes out of a passion I have for helping people take their next step on this stewardship journey. Um, what that looks like is I'm leading a team of mostly volunteers, a couple of staff, uh, who are really just all about helping the people of our church become really encouraged, just like you said, uh, that encouraged you around finances and money and what the Bible has to say about it. But we also want 
to not just motivate them in this area, but to equip them in this area because the Bible is very, very, uh, it's just filled with uh, principles and mm-hmm. perspectives and things that help us know what it means to live out this stewardship of our money and our possessions. But I would also say, Drew, uh, that we are just as concerned about that for their how they're spending their time, how they're using the talents and gifts they have. Really, any and everything that God has entrusted to them yeah. uh, is something that is to be stewarded for His His purposes and for His glory. So we're yeah. just we're just all about doing that. My hope and goal would be to see uh, a really strong culture of stewardship and generosity among the people of Southeast Christian Church. Okay, um, and that would be pretty exciting for me. We already have some degree of that, but I, I'm. I'm not content with that. I believe that God is calling us to even more as a church, and I think through this stewardship ministry we'll begin to see that happen. Cool. Um, So with a lot of the people that you sit down and talk with, are most of them coming to you in stressful debt and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out a way to get out, or are a lot of people coming to you and saying, like, hey, um, I make a lot of money, but I want to make sure, like, my tithing is going to something good or what can I do to be yeah. better? What are some yeah. of the situations you talk? Yeah. Talk you about? know, it's, it's really both, you know, we yeah. see both there as we think about, um, this, uh, in the people of the church, you're going to, you're going to have this spectrum of people, right? People yeah. that are maybe on one end of the curve where they're really struggling. They can't make ends meet day to day or month to month, right? Mm-hmm. Paycheck to paycheck. And, um, then the other end of the spectrum are, you know, some people who have moved to a place of what, what the world might call financial independence, right? They don't have to work anymore. There's uh, their net worth and their, their assets are such that they kind of have uh, the ability, many of them, to do anything they would want to with that money. But that becomes complicated, right? As they right. think through the lens of what God would call them to and what the Bible would say, it's there's a lot of different choices they have around that so we want to help people with that right Right. that's a and that can be a lonely place because a lot of the people in that category uh, most of the people that want to talk to them about money drew are wanting to ask them for money right and so one of the opportunities that i have uh, and the church has is to really come to them not to try to get something from them Mm -hmm. but rather because we want something for them which is this this rich life that God is can, can call us to yeah. when we get money right in that area. So, but but I talked about those two ends of the spectrum, Drew. Yeah. Probably what's important is to understand that that the vast majority of people are in the middle of that bell curve, so to speak. Right. People who are what I might call stable or maybe solid, mm-hmm. and you know they they still are on this journey of stewardship, regardless of whether you're on this end of the spectrum, in the middle, or over here, everybody's got uh, a next step to take in stewardship, right? And cool. it's so much more about um, our the attitudes of our heart, our relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. and, and so therefore how much we have becomes less important than kind of what we do with what we have. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have a lot of people will, you asked a great question, how, how, where are the majority of people coming from? I would right. say it's a natural thing in the church for, for the church to engage and to be available to those who are poor and struggling, right? Yeah. Like that's a normal thing for the church to do. Even if we didn't have a stewardship ministry like I'm leading, we would probably have some measure of that going on. 
if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's really common for the church to know who the the people who have some level of wealth are because that's the people they go to when they need to build buildings and do things. At Southeast, we want to make that a different conversation. And so part of what we're doing is saying we we want to do both of those things, but we also want to talk to the people in the middle. Yeah. Who, where the majority of people are about this 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 issue of the heart and this this stewardship of what they have. Yeah. Um, are there any stereotypes that you have to break down about what God says about money in Scripture? Uh, absolutely, uh, there are. Um, when most people um, hear the word stewardship and what yeah. I do, uh, they have the wrong idea. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, they associate it with church fundraising, capital campaigns to build buildings. Yeah. E- even in some parts of the country, uh, we have we have to overcome that they, they are now hearing the word stewardship and protecting the environment, right? Like, you right. know, what is this? What is this thing? But um, the truth is that this issue of stewardship is central to the life of every Christ follower. Yeah. And it's a game changer. It changes everything. And so what I was going to say is one of the misconceptions is, is that stewardship is just about giving. Right. 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 But, but rather giving is maybe just a part of yeah. this life of stewardship. Right. But yeah. there's so much more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I often think of it as a coin uh, where uh, st- if stewardship's the coin, giving's on one side of the coin, the management of that that money and possessions is on the other side of the coin but right. that piece is often left out of the conversation that stewardship is just simply about giving and yeah. and and so that's a misconception i have to overcome pretty often yeah um so one of the things that i kind of wanted to dissect and just see if you could expand on it more for me is prosperity gospel versus poverty gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that is just kind of more of an issue today than it ever really has been Mm -hmm. in the Christian church. And I was wondering if you know of anything that scripture says about that or if you have a personal opinion on it yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a way that people and even churches entirely get this theology of money wrong, right? right? And, um, And it hurts a lot of people. I think sometimes um, it's the evil one getting his way, so to speak, of of manipulating the Word of God into into things that it's not trying to say. And so it's really important for me, as we're approaching people who are coming into Southeast Christian Church, they're coming from all kinds of backgrounds. And there are people that come in, and there's a a, uh, leaning towards a prosperity gospel, or there's a leaning towards a poverty gospel, and neither one of those are an accurate thing. Right. Um, you know, I think about how there will be a lot of people who will say um, it's not okay to be rich, right? Yeah. You know, you well, think I've, about that I've personally gospel. struggled with that too. I'm just, I think to myself, like there was a vacation uh, that my family and I went on. We went to Grand Cayman, and it was one of the best vacations I've ever been on. But I was also like thinking to myself, I'm like, man. Is this okay? Like, right, right. But, I mean, yeah. Like, exactly. You know, I always go back to the Bible, right? Yeah. And so I think about this, is it okay to be rich? Because humanly, I could start making the case mm-hmm. from my um, from certain aspects of what the, the, 
the, the mission of Jesus is, right? right. To kind of kind of go down that road. But there are plenty of examples in the scripture of wealthy people in the Bible where you see the Bible commending those people, right? Yeah. Um, I think about Lydia mm-hmm. or Cornelius mm-hmm. or Zacchaeus even. That may seem like a weird example, but Zacchaeus mm-hmm. really got money wrong for a while in his life, right? He yeah. did some evil things, some wrong things with it. But once he met Jesus... He, he then did some things with his wealth. He mm-hmm. used that wealth in a way that Jesus celebrated that kind of transformation of life. Yeah. It wasn't so much about the fact that he had to give it all away, but rather yeah. it was simply that. Because I think if you recall, he only gave half of it away. Right. Right? Yep. Um, but there are also plenty of examples of some wealthy people who are, for lack of a better word, condemned. Right? Yeah. Um, not because they had too much money. That's the important part, right? Mm-hmm. But rather, it was their attitude towards money. It was their heart towards money and how it was impacting their relationship and their walk with Jesus, so to speak, right? Yeah. So you can think about Ananias and Sapphira, right? They clearly had a lot of money. Right. They uh, lied about what they gave and what they did. And yeah. it was that, not the amount of money they had or whether they had given it or not given it. It was mm-hmm. what they did surrounding that money that became the, the thing that was the problem. Exactly. Um, Jesus told parables right a lot and so many of the examples i'm thinking of are right out of jesus's parables like the rich farmer as as it's come to known right it it wasn't condemned because he had saved and had a lot of money but he was really condemned because he had allowed that to cause him to ignore god right and really miss the true riches of that you know was it the wealth that was doing that probably because it can be deceptive to people Mm -hmm. but it wasn't the actual it wasn't actually because he had wealth. It was right. what wealth had done to him. Um, Does that make sense, Drew? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when people come to you and they start, you know, getting counseling from you on good stewardship, what are some of the foundational rules, fundamentals, or mentalities that you like to instill in them from the get-go? Yeah. Well, I like to start with... Um, three fundamental truths about um, money Mm -hmm. that I find in the Bible because it sort of frames up whether people are going to do right by it or not. Is that okay? I'll share those three things. Absolutely. The first first thing is that God owns it all, right? So this idea that what they have, this money that they're coming to me to talk about for counsel, that all of that belongs to God. Yeah. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and all who live in it. And oftentimes Christians will come and they will think, well, the first 10% belongs to God, but the rest of it really I can do what I want to with. And, you know, when people don't get this right, it it can hamper their ability to sort of think about their money the right way. Yeah. As a Christian. So I work on that with them. The second thing is then what that means is our role is different. Our role is to be a steward. And so we see that from the very beginning of creation that God uh, put Adam and Eve in the garden and he said, you're to be the managers of what I have created. I'm going to entrust that to you for your care. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And you'll see that all through scripture. Jesus told a story of uh, the parable of the talents, as he called it, and a master entrusted three of his servants with bags of gold 
yeah. quite a substantial amount of money. He went away on a long journey. He came back and he said, what did you do with what I left you? And he commended two of them and said, you had been you know, good and faithful servants, right? Yeah. Coming in or into my happiness. And one of them buried it, didn't do anything with it, didn't do well with what he had entrusted him. Right. And he had some really harsh words for him, right? right? So there is this idea, this setup that it doesn't belong to us. We're entrusted with it. It's given to us as a gift from God, and we are to manage it well, do well with it. Does yeah. that make sense? And so those those two foundational truths really set up my ability to work with uh, a person who's coming in for finances and that sort of thing before yeah. we even get into some of the principles that would guide the decisions they might make about money. Okay. Right? Does that make sense? If Absolutely. They don't, if you don't have that perspective, um, I can help you. Yeah. Like I could start, and but we're having more of a worldly conversation about smart right. things to do with money. You could give them a chart on like how to prioritize money or something. Sure, but, but you can get that anywhere, right? Right. That, but but what God is more interested in than whether we follow certain rules about money, right? Right. Is where our heart is around money, right? And how we how we are operating in this role as as a steward. And it yeah. will change everything, then everything will flow out of that. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. How we give will flow out of that. How we spend on our family will go, flow out of that. Uh, our vacations may even yeah. flow out of that, right? Not yeah. to say that it's ever wrong to go on a Grand Cayman vacation, but just is that sort of connected to my stewardship of what God has entrusted me right. with? Does right. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you ever talk to uh, non-Christians about what God says about money? And if so, what are some of the conversations that you have with them? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I do have opportunities to do that. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is that uh, we will have people from our missions team that's doing some local community work. And oftentimes we're um, in a position where finances are one of the the struggles and the pain points in the community, right? Yeah. Uh, we often use in, in the term financial literacy, right? People right. don't have strong financial literacy. Well, um, so we will engage with those people, um, but we will do that by not being ashamed of what the Bible has to say about it, right? right. We, will, we will bring to them the biblical principles of mm -hmm. finance, but recognize that they're they're not even a follower of Jesus yet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have to decide for themselves, am I going to lean into what the Bible has to say about that? Yeah. And, and so that's the approach we take. We don't beat them over the head with, um, you know, all of that, but we do want them to hear, you know, they will ultimately hear the gospel through that message, right, of what yeah. the Bible has to say about finances. We recently partnered with one of our campuses at our church who did day camps at three different schools, yeah. and the idea was just to love on and be there to love on and help the families of that school, many of which may or may not be uh, a Christian or a part of a local church. And, um, and so we set up a table and a booth at every one of those schools, and we just simply said, uh, you need a little help with finances, not not right. so much handing out money, but just questions you might have, yeah. issues you're having. And so we just made ourselves available uh, <coughs> to answer those questions. But I remember when I was coaching those volunteers that were gonna work those tables, I said, hey, don't be afraid to share uh, the scripture verses behind the, the principles and the answers to their questions that you're yeah. giving because there's a power in that, right? 
yeah. like there's a power in the word of God and we don't want to we don't want to um, take that out of the equation so that went really well and many many people were helped by by doing that but for for many that might have been their first time to even consider God yeah. has anything to say about money okay. right because the world doesn't really think of it that way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so we do we help we help all people um, you know I was thinking about our financial peace university classes yeah uh, we do a lot. We do those uh, at all of our campuses three or three times a year or so. Um, well, many people are listening to Dave Ramsey on the radio because they're right. driving to work or whatever. That used to be all that I would hear on my way to school. Okay, so you, you're familiar car. with that? Yeah. I just I knew that he was some sort of guru of some kind. Mom was listening to him, but I like trying to sleep. But yeah. that was yeah. And and so those people are not really connecting the dots that Dave is bringing biblical principles to bear although he is right but on the radio it doesn't come across sometimes and so you got a lot of radio listeners who then say i want to do this financial peace university thing i keep hearing dave talk about yeah they search on the internet where is one of those classes or groups happening well um, they'll land in our yeah. they'll land in our classes and our groups we're excited about that right yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. all of our group leaders will know that uh, in any given group that we're having uh, at the church there could be anywhere from 10 to 20 percent of the people sitting in there that came from outside the church, yeah. right? Yeah. So we're often uh, introducing them to those biblical principles of finance, um, and and it is part of their first steps to Jesus. One of my favorite things that happens in our ministry yeah. is when uh, there's a baptism that happens, and and we can track back six months, eight months before, yeah. and their journey started by walking into a Financial Peace University class wow. and being introduced to God's Word through the lens of money. Yeah. And then it, it created next steps in their life and to the point where they accepted Jesus and decided to live for Him. And so it's pretty exciting. That's yeah. happened many, many times in our stewardship ministry, and we celebrate that every time it does. That's cool. Um, so I've had some conversations with some missionaries in church planners and sometimes we talk about money sometimes we don't but a lot of times when we do talk about money it's it is within the scope of like yeah I don't have it right now I don't have the money and then like uh, God's gonna like provide a way mm -hmm. and stuff like that mm -hmm. and I want to make clear to everybody that's listening, I am all for that. But there's like a part of me that I'm like, yeah, but doesn't God say to like be smart with your money or mm -hmm. to like have a plan and he'll bless that? And I'm, I just kind of want to know like what that mentality should be because it's like doing mission work or church planning for one is a hard thing. Mm-hmm. But to also, like, do it without knowing what you're going to use to pay for a meal tonight just adds more stress in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you or the Financial Peace University says anything about, like, hey, it's good to, like, have faith in God about this, but, like, it's all, like, God's telling you to have a plan, you know? Uh it's a both and, right? right. And, and I think you're, you're right, Drew, to sort of have this sort of feel of tension around when you hear that, well, well, God's just going to provide. Right. 
Um, and and the answer is yes. He yeah. is the provider, right? And right. so we we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We keep our eyes fixed on uh, entrusting the provider for that. But that does not mean that we don't do our part. Right. That does not mean that we don't uh, work hard and um, and make efforts and do the things necessary uh, for us to, uh, to have uh, the money that we need to do the work that God has called us to, right? Like he he has given us the ability to produce wealth, right? Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18, yeah. right? Don't forget, it's God, you know, Moses was saying to the people of Israel, don't forget that it was God that made a way for you to be in this this promised land that you're in right now, right? And set up with the, the things that you have, right? Yeah. But in all of that was also this idea that that they they were doing things to produce the wealth. They were. Right. But the the provider to make all that happen was God. So it's a both and. Does that make sense? Exactly. And so yeah. as, as those missionaries, I'm glad they have that posture of faith. And there is something powerful about having a level of faith that says, I don't know where my meal's going to come from later this week. Like praying and living for your daily bread. But it also means that you have a part to play in that, right? God created us as stewards. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and so we have to do that. So I think that's a, I mean, maybe some people need to be encouraged in, that, in that area. I agree. Um, talking to younger people, maybe newlyweds, people who are just starting their lives together, what's advice that you would give them right off the bat as far as, you know, working together to manage finances and letting God like work in that with them? Uh, that's a great question, and it's one that that we lean into a lot at in the the stewardship ministry that we do at Southeast because it's it's super important. Um, one of the leading causes of divorce in America today are conflicts around money, yeah. right? And if you're married for very long at all, uh, you know that conflict around money is going to happen. So it's not a matter of you know having a marriage where that doesn't happen. It's a matter of knowing how to work together through that right. conflict. And um, God didn't intend money to be this horrible, awful thing in our marriage. He intended it to, to be a, a, an opportunity for us in our marriage. And mm-hmm. so I want that for the people who are young. So I give, them, I give them some keys. There are several keys that I often lean to. The first one is that they need to communicate about money even when it's hard. They need they need to find a rhythm and a pattern of just talking about money. I often really lead them to budgeting and then having what I would call budget meetings together. So this this pattern and rhythm that we make a monthly budget together, Mm -hmm. typically that means one of the spouses will be better at that than the other. Yeah. And, um, but, but the, the thing I have to work on is that the, the, the other one, has to show up and they have right. to be a part of looking over and deciding ultimately how the money is going to be spent for that month, right? And that's where that comes out, right? Now you're having constructive conversations and your posture is, what does God want us to do with our money, right? Yep. So in, what ends up happening is when you have those budget meetings, as we call them, sounds very, uh, sounds kind of lame, right? But, yeah. but when you're doing those conversations, it's leading you to 
talk about your goals and your dreams and your and your purpose and in your marriage and in your life together and when those conversations are what you're having uh, it can be like I said much more constructive what married couples typically do is they don't have that structure for communicating around money yeah. one of them is trying really hard to do one thing with the money and one of them is trying to do a different thing with the money right. and then when um, all of that tension keeps building and building and building, it blows up, right? And At like some the, point. The only time they address yeah. it is like when a problem happens. So yeah. here's what it looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, one of them goes shopping and comes home with shopping bags and the other one is fuming mad, right? Because you just don't understand how they could be spending that kind of money right now given right. where you think your finances or situations are. Right. And there, then you know that causes a blow up. But the same thing can happen the opposite way, right? It could be, you know, uh, the husband announces that he's going to go play golf with his friend on Friday. Well, you know, that's a fifty dollar expense that yeah. you know the wife just can't understand. Why do you need to do that? I don't understand that, right? And so there's this this tension around their values, right? They don't. They've got two different values around money, and it's ultimately that that what's going on. So. First key is you got to talk about it. You got to communicate about it. And even when it's hard, the reason I say that is, is you're going to find times when the other is doing something and you don't agree with it. Right. But you never say anything about it. And then by you not saying anything about it, it goes on for weeks and months and it builds and then it causes a lot of damage in your marriage. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. The second thing, can I give you a second key I give them? Absolutely. Second key I give them to create this. Uh, is kind of a discipline is that I, I encourage them to set a spending limit that means that each other won't spend or make a purchase a single purchase over that amount of money without calling the other one first yep. and saying hey uh, I'm thinking I'd like to buy this what but but it's this amount of money what do you think and what that does is it establishes a level of trust between each other in the marriage because yeah. often what happens with married couples is they think they don't need that right right but as these different values are playing out in the way and, and it drives them to spend money differently then what happens is the other over here begins to not trust the other one right so one spouse is not trusting the other one and you don't realize it's happening and it's breaking down trust constantly because there's this difference of opinion. So when yeah. you're willing to call and say, hey, um, you know, I want to I spend this amount on this thing, now you're going, okay, you're not hiding it from me. You're right. not trying to go around my back. You're like, you're now in this place where I can trust you with money. Yeah. And I may not always agree with that spending decision, but I always encourage spouses be okay once in a while with the answer is no i don't think that's the right thing to do right and so therefore you back away from it so i've had examples where, where my wife has done that for me and vice versa and it's just been a really healthy thing for our marriage to yeah. have those spending limits um and so uh, and the final thing i say to them is you have had separate bank accounts up until the time you got married right right when you get married part of becoming one becoming one flesh yeah. in marriage. You're, uh, Jesus said, you're no longer two, you are one. Right. Well, you cannot do that right. and have separate bank accounts 
yeah. separate accounts that you operate out of that it's a his paycheck and a her paycheck and it's his money and my money and all of that yeah. you no longer can have a biblical marriage in that way does that make sense a biblical Absolutely. marriage is one in which you put that together and that also means her debts that she came in with her student loans become our student loans right and and so forth and now that's a really hard thing because many couples the world is sort of telling them no no, no you want to kind of keep your options open right right, right. Uh, there the world is so uh, postured for a potential future divorce or things won't work out yeah. and so the wisdom of the world is don't do that but if we're really surrendering ourselves to Jesus fully and ultimately operating from uh, the kind of relationship with him in a biblical marriage, mm-hmm. then we're, we're going to throw all that out and, and put, put, our, put our accounts together yeah. and operate that way together. Um, and when you do, it just drives healthier conversations and it drives more um, trust yeah. around that. There's transparency right now that, you know, I have access to the, the, the account, you have access to the account, I see the spending, you see the spending, there's no yeah. hiding, and it drives you towards intimacy, it drives you towards oneness, yeah. and it ultimately is a very tangible way for you to become a one. <clears throat> yeah. the, the thing that people don't realize is that in money and marriage, it is not so much about the numbers. Yeah, It's not like figuring out how to budget well or get the numbers right in all the categories and all that. I mean, that, that can be of some level of importance. Right. But I would say 80% of it is just about how it how it is so integrated into your married life Yeah. that when you get it right, it just creates incredible intimacy in your relationship. It just causes your relationship to, to go up a notch because right. you've addressed and made money uh, something that's healthy in your marriage, yeah. not working against you in your marriage. Wow, that's really cool. Um, well, I think that's some really awesome insight and everything, and I, I think it's really cool that, like, our church offers that to young couples or anybody that's just looking to improve their financial situation. For anybody that's listening that um, hasn't had the opportunity to figure out some sort of budgeting strategy or do any of that, what can they do? How can they reach you? Or how can they go to Southeast or um, Financial Peace University and kind of get plugged into that? Well, thanks for thanks for asking that question, Drew, because we yeah. do want to help as many people as we can and serve as many people as we can in that way. Um, the, we, we have called the Stewardship Ministry at Southeast the Generous Living Ministry. Okay. And so as you were to hit the website of southeastchristian.com, you would simply search for or find the page inside of there that is the Generous Living Ministry. And from there, you'll see a, a launching point for several different aspects of our ministry. Much okay. of what we do are classes, workshops, uh, groups that, that go on for you know three weeks to ten weeks, depending upon what we're doing. Okay. And you can then see all of those that are being offered and step in and engage into those. The second thing that we do is we do one-on-one financial coaching. We have a whole uh, team of volunteers who have been trained and they're experienced and uh, have a lot of biblical wisdom to offer to couples or even single people one-on-one and kind of 
more closely with them, right? Because right. then we can look specifically at your circumstance and help you build a plan that yep. will get you to this place of stewardship that you want to be, right? And yep. so we got a lot of people that engage with our financial coaching ministry right on that page of Generous Living, that Generous Living page on the Southeast Christian website. Yep. You'll see a link, request a financial coach, and within a few days you're going to be hearing from someone who will be assigned to be your coach, and they'll be talking about the first step of meeting together and um, doing that sort of thing. So um, there are a couple different there are several different things we do. I'd love to have people engage with us. You can obviously reach out to me by email at scarter at secc.org okay. uh, or call my phone number at 502-253-8022 at the church, and I am happy to connect uh, you to the things that we're doing Absolutely. Uh, about that. So Cool. I will post all that information when I post the episode, of course, too. But... uh I really think this has been awesome. Uh, one of the things I like to do towards the end of the towards the end of the show, uh, just to help get the to know the guests a little bit more, I like to do rapid fire questions. You got it. So I'm I gonna fire away and take as long as you want to answer the questions. Though they're pretty simple and fun, but this is just what I typically do. I love it. Uh, starting out, what are your favorite movies or top three favorite movies? Okay, that's easy. Uh, okay. Top Top Gun has always been my favorite. Seriously, movie. There you uh, go. Tom Cruise is a Louisville guy, and yeah, uh, I just love the the movie. Um, I also am a big fan of Star Wars, so yeah. I would probably just say Episode One still sort of my favorite. Seriously, okay. And um, I also really, really like. Um, I really, really like. Um, think about the one that stands out to me the most it'd be the chronicles the chronicles of narnia yeah they made movies about that yeah, and yeah i yeah. really enjoyed those movies so. the, the lion the witch of the wardrobe exactly yeah like I, I saw that with all my buddies like our whole football team went to go okay. see that but. yeah yeah it may seem weird to you but that for me was no that's yeah, cool yeah, yeah. what do you think of the most recent star wars did you uh, see that one yet? I did. I did. Um, it was it was good. Yeah. Not my favorite, but it was. No, your favorite. Good. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of right there with yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I think the farther we get away from those original ones, it's harder and harder. I mean, I, mean, I yeah. get it. They're they're having to continue to tell story, and at some point, they've done a lot of good stuff, and yeah. it's just going to get get harder. To Absolutely. Um, what are your favorite books or your top three favorite books? Mm, good question. Um, I read very few novels. In fact, the only sort of pleasure reading in novels I do is by John, uh, author, the author John Grisham. So okay. I read every single one of his books, which is something like thirty or so. He kind of writes like those, uh, it's like legal, thriller, legal books. thrillers. They're always around yeah. some sort of legal. So um, that that's not a specific book. I don't know if right. I have a specific one, but I would. He's put a that good author. Categorically, yeah. I would say those books I enjoy a lot. Um, Something that uh, impacted me in leadership a lot was a book that Patrick Lencioni wrote called, um, uh, it was his book about um, the three uh, dysfunctions, the five dysfunctions of a team, I think is the name of it. Okay. And so, um, and I've gone back to it, read it, read it many times, and so that's that's probably in leadership one of the books that influenced me the most um when i think about um my 
sort of spiritual journey, I think about um, this book that was called The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg that really early on in um, my, uh, my life was a big impact. It's a book about spiritual disciplines and really kind of framed up for me a lot of how I think about the practices and things that I do in my life right. to keep my re uh, relationship with God good. So okay. those three came to my mind. I read a cool. lot, so I could name a dozen more books yeah. that have impacted me. Do you, do you read like, do you have like a kind of like a monthly goal of how much you read? Or I do. I try to read about a book a month is about all I can do right now. I've wow. had seasons where I'll read a couple um, but do you do audiobooks ever? No, it's no. all. I'm I'm a digital book reader, so almost okay. all of it's done on my iPad these days. Yeah. Uh, people hand me and give me books all the time. Yeah. Um, and and I never know what to do with those paper books because I always end up downloading them. And then what right. I do is I just give away the paper book to somebody else. So <laughs> there you uh, go. And you know, and in our in this space of generosity and stewardship, there are a number. Of terrific books that you know I would share with people. One that has impacted me recently uh, was written by the founder of the the store Hobby Lobby. Yeah, uh, who's a, a great uh, Christian man, and his name is David Green, and uh, he um, uh, wrote a book called um, How did he say it? It's, it's, an, it's an interesting title. It's funny how you can't always remember the titles of the books, but you yeah. re remember that. Um, something about... Oh, I can't recall the name of it. It's something about give, being given all this money and then giving it all away again. Yeah. I can't recall. I just know that the tagline is, and giving it, and then... and then uh, I know what it is. Get... Giving it all away and getting it all back again or something like okay. that is the, the title of the book. But uh, it's really him telling the story of, um, of his own personal journey of generosity and how he sort of figured out uh, what it means for him to live out stewardship from the context of being a business owner and even through the business. And uh, when I read it, I really thought it was going to be all about money and finances and, and business and all of that and understanding Christian stewardship through the lens of that. But right. Drew, what really stood out to me, because and I'm none of those things, right? Like I don't own a business, I yeah. don't have any any kind of wealth at that level, so I wasn't sure how I was going to connect with this book. But I thought I right. should read it because I'm ministering to people in that space, and I yeah. need to be prepared for it. What I wasn't prepared for was how uh, what what David has figured out in his life, uh, and and you know I would just say that David Green's just farther down this road or journey of stewardship than I am. And he's really, you know, his book really spoke to me. But it was around how he was preparing or how he looked at his role as a father and a grandfather to, to sort of steward that yeah. responsibility and, and really be about preparing or, or equipping the next stewards, so to speak. Right? Right. Like he right. saw what mattered the most was that his kids and his grandkids, and, and now he's even got great caring kids, and this idea of leaving a legacy. And I was just like, and, and so what happened to me, Drew, was I read this book, and it, it all connected with me because I'm a father, and right. I've got two kids. And I'm thinking about, you know, when my kids' kids are sitting around someday, um, and I'm dead and gone. Right. Will the things I'm doing today 
be making an impact on them. In other words, that an impact on them around the things that really matter. Right? right. Will yeah. they be living out the gospel in their life? Will they be on mission right. for Jesus in a bigger way than maybe even I am? Right? Like that would be exciting to me, right? Yeah. That I would be stewarding the the role I have as a father, the role I will have as a grandfather someday, yeah. uh, Lord willing, to be able to make that happen. And that really struck me because I can change things today in my life Right. that will have an impact on that. Because if I don't do it now, it'll be too late someday. Right. And, you know, so my kids are, you know, 20 and 14, and I just found myself saying, I'm going to have some different family goals. I'm going to set up some goals. Because I'm really good at ministry goals. Yeah. And when I was in business in the past, I was really a goal-oriented person. That's who I am. Yeah. But what's interesting is, you know, reading David Green's book, so much of it was around his family. Wow. And the goals he had for his family were highly integrated into his business and his work and all of that and I thought to myself I don't do that very well right and I have really grown I feel like in the last couple of years since reading that book that's cool um, in in what I'm doing as a father so long answer to your question that's took me a while though, to, yeah. to find my most recent favorite book but that would probably be it nice cool um what is some of your favorite scripture to go to um well since I was a kid um I have I had I had a, a picture hanging on the wall right beside my door and on the back of my door was was a long mirror and so I'd get ready for school every day and there there was always this idea that I'm I'm seeing this scripture and it's Matthew 6:33 yeah and um, and it basically says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all of these things will be added unto you as well right, right? and it's it's interesting you know uh, oftentimes that passage and the passages leading up to that will be a passage that we talk about in stewardship a lot right it's, yeah. it's got a stewardship theme so to speak in it um, as does much of scripture but that one specifically does yeah. but for me what that's meant to me all of my life is sort of thinking about that as kind of a life verse or a major theme for me was just this idea that with what I'm going to do every day right like for me right. it was a daily sort of reminder to say today i seek first the kingdom of god right yeah that's what i seek first because it's really tempting to, to just, seek yeah. a lot of other things first yeah and let that fall right, right. and um and christians do that we all do that right we can get trapped and wrapped up in the things of this world and i said i just wanted that to be important to me and so that verse has always been important to me you know seek first the kingdom of god yeah and all the other stuff that you're going to try to chase after that you think you need to go chase after and make important first all those things will be added right like don't yeah. don't that's not what you worry about you just seek first the kingdom you just seek first the kingdom and so that that's just been a theme for me all of my life and it's you know probably informed why i've been so um passionate about church and church leadership and the things that I've done in the church all of my yeah. life. So, Cool. What's some of the best pieces of advice you've ever received or best financial advice you've ever received since we're talking about finances? Well, that's a great question. Um, when I was 20 uh, years old, I started um, working in a, a company for the first time, right? Like it was the first time I had a real job. So okay. Started, right? Cool. Uh, 
and uh, they had uh, a retirement uh, plan and I was like I don't need to do that I don't see I didn't understand or have any concept of that but I had a, a, a friend at that time who was uh, a, a friend's father who I was close to and I always thought of him as somebody who seemed to really understand money and finance as well and I remember him Maybe somehow we were talking about the fact that there was this this retirement plan offering. I probably said something to him about it because he was the kind of guy in my life that I would probably be the only person I would have like mentioned. Hey, what do you think? He's like your that? rich dad almost. Yeah, I guess you could yeah. think of it that way. Um, so Ken uh, Wilburn was his name. He said, "Oh, Steve, you you should invest everything you can right now into that retirement." Uh, account that they're offering an opportunity to do right yeah. and at that time there was like company matching so whatever you put in they would match up to a pretty decent percentage of it wow. but he just said you're young you know you're going to be getting this salary you know you're at a time where for sure you should be doing that well i did i just i, I at that point i gotta be i gotta admit drew i wasn't 100 percent sure why i was going to do it but i trusted my friend ken and, yeah. and his wisdom that that came from age that, that was far beyond my wisdom right and i just did it and i net and thankfully i never stopped after that so i think yeah. about that financial advice that he just said start in a way his advice was start early and start you know at, at a higher level now because yeah. you know that's going to have the compound interest from that is going to have a big effect now what i've learned later in life is you know that can be used by god for all kinds of reasons it doesn't mean i have to have this lap, life of luxury and retirement someday right yeah uh, but now god god can use that mechanism for building wealth for his purposes in right. my life, right? And right. so I'm excited about the fact, had I chosen not to do that, I wouldn't have been as good a steward, right? In some ways, yeah. you, you know, you, you either, you can either spend it now or save it for later and use some compound interest to your benefit. And I think there is for a Christian a balance of both that needs to happen, right? right. You right. just need to listen to the Lord. What does he want you to do with the money you have? But oftentimes, one of the one of the things we should be doing wisely as a steward is to use the power of compound interest to build wealth so that we can use it for God's purposes, Absolutely. whatever that might be. I'm thankful that Ken Wilburn, when I was 20, said start doing that. That's cool. Um, and then I would just say at some point later in life, I was introduced to this concept of budgeting. And I, I would just say that's been a game changer for me. I, I, I spend smarter because of it. I'm more on purpose with my money because of it. And so, therefore, it's this real act of stewardship for me. It's, it is this tangible way that I do that. I'm really grateful that somebody encouraged me to do that at some at some point. So those yes. are the two pieces of advice that stand out. Okay, cool. Um, one of a couple more questions. Um, this one is a weird one, but I ask everybody. Okay. Do you believe in aliens? If so, why? If not, why not? I love that. That's interesting. I've never been asked that question, Drew. That's a good one. So you've never been asked if you believe in aliens. Never. Uh, I, but I'm just going to go with my gut is that I don't. Yeah. Uh, I've never had a reason or thought that I would, you know, that there were aliens out there and yeah. uh, don't have it. I don't know. I don't know of a biblical reference to that concept. It, yeah. Uh, but no, I don't. Okay. I don't. 
Right. If you do, I don't know that you're wrong about that. I, no. just, I just probably I just think live in such a way that I'm, I'm thinking there's not. I think it's just fascinating that, you know, like, there are so many different concepts to, like, why there will, or, like, why there are or aren't aliens, and I'm just always, like, curious to get everybody's opinion. Yeah. It's yeah. just, I think it's fun. That's a great question. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> do you get different answers to that? Do you oh, get yeah. some yeses sometimes um, on that? I've got a lot of people that have come on here uh and people that are really like strong christians too they'll be like uh i think it'd be pretty obnoxious for us to think that we are alone yeah in the universe yeah and i'm like that's a strong statement yeah and but they you know they'll have their reasons on it and everything but i mean i don't know like if you've if you know like genesis chapter six like that's the one that stands out to me when it talks about like the nephilim you know, yeah. and and I'm sitting. I'm like, okay, if there was ever something weird, it'd be because of yeah. that right there. Like that's the one thing when I like read that, I had like read that chapter for the first time. At least I think for the first time, when I was like 22. Yes. And I just read over it, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I didn't know this was in there. Yeah. And it was just. It, that was one that just stood out to me, so I'm like, okay, that's a crazy concept. Uh, aliens are a crazy concept, you know. And it's all just, you know. I think there is, you know, there is just as likely to be true as not true, right? Right, right. And uh, and that Genesis six reference, I've heard people talk about that could be a clue to the fact right. that there is, and and I I'm not. Uh, Opposed to that opinion, I think that could be very. Yeah. I think that could very well be true. Uh, we'll know someday, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, last question, sir. How would you say you are living your life on a mission? Well, um, I, I would say it is just a reflection of no matter where God's got me planted. I'm thinking about the Great Commission all the time, right? I'm thinking about what matters the most. Uh, is what I am doing in my life to to make sure that the the love of Jesus and the gospel is uh, being brought to to bear in the lives of the people that that I'm I'm around. So, for instance, uh, for 24 years, God had me uh, in the marketplace, right. and um, I had a very real sense of the ministry God had me doing there. Right, that that I was always looking at that environment that I'm in, that place, the, the marketplace that I'm in, yeah. whether it be the employees that I'm working with at the, the, the corporation or whether it be the customers or suppliers that I'm interacting with, it's always thinking about how can I be introducing those people to the gospel, helping them know that Jesus loves them, died for them, yeah. and has a plan for them. And uh, so, so for me... Um, that there were very tangible ways that that took place in the time I was in the marketplace. Another part of that is I'm I'm just passionate about the local church, Drew. So yeah. for me, I'm not I, I I don't know why I think God uh, sends some people to the mission field and other people are to fund those and pray for those who are going to the mission field. And and when I say that, I mean like you know, as if. Louisville is not a mission field, right, and it right. is right. And so, but for me, the the local church um, has been a passion for me. And so, even in my teenage years, I remember 
my my involvement and role in the in the church that I grew up in, yeah. I was already finding myself um, being put in positions of leadership yeah. in my in my church and thinking about how can I be a part of what the church is called to do for the mission of Jesus, right? Yeah. So fast forward, and um, at 33 years old, I'm uh, being nominated and asked to be an elder of Southeast Christian Church, right? So right. I'm put in this place of leadership of the church that I'm a part of, and it just felt like it's always been God's call in my life yeah. to be in a place where I am serving the church as uh, in, in a leadership role at the church. Yeah. And now, four years ago, uh, four and a half years ago, God called me to be in vocational ministry where now I'm a, a member of the staff of that church. Yeah. But it's still it's still just a <laughs> reflection of this mission that I'm on, right? This mission to um, be a part of, of leading the people of God's church um, so that I can help them be on mission, right? Like we talk often at Southeast about um, be a disciple who makes disciples, right? So for me that's not a new concept it's all you know i've been a disciple of jesus since yeah. 13 years old yeah but i i don't know how or why but very quickly i knew it wasn't about just staying there it was about helping to make other people a disciple of jesus so i found that context of that mission to play out for me as plugging into how the church structurally does that with the people of the church and i feel as though that's been a, a role that he's called me to play um, and I love it. Like I get more excited about being in a room of people who it, it, it is clearly my people that God has put in my circle to, to disciple them, to help them be better disciples so that they can make disciples. And I'm just always thinking about that. Like there's a part of me that wants to see the people in my life that God has put in my circle of influence. I want to see them in the baptistry with their friends who they brought to Jesus and then the pattern and the, the multiplication continues. So for me, I get pretty excited about that. Does that make sense? Yes, I get absolutely. pretty excited about that mission and that just plays out wherever I'm at. Not just because I'm on staff at the church, yeah. but just in everything that I think about doing, uh, that's what I'm doing with my wife, with my kids, yeah. with my friends, with my, my coworkers. Uh, whatever that is, is, you know, that's my mission. That's fantastic. So, Well, Steve, thank you so much for being on the show. I think anybody that hears this is going to get a lot of good insight and a good mentality on, you know, how to be good stewards with their finances and just good stewards with the resources that God gives them. Mm. I really appreciate you for being on. Um, for anybody that listens to this on the post, when I release this episode, I will have all that information on how you can reach Steve or how you can be a part of the Financial Peace University. And, uh, yeah, that'll be for you guys. So, Steve, thank you so much for being on. I You're appreciate welcome. it. It was a privilege. Thank you, guys. This is Life on a Mission.